Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Back Straight Boys and Girl podcast after what has been a, an entirely disorientating season of athletics. I don't even know if we can call it a season. It's just been a little, no. a little blip on the 2020 calendar in which some really spectacular performances were managed, but also some stinky rule changes were introduced. And there were a whole lot of meets that we missed because the calendar bore even less resemblance to a calendar than it usually does. But before we pick over the bones of 2020, let's introduce ourselves and this podcast. This is the irreverent, unstructured and error-strewn athletics chat that is the Backstroke Boys and Girl. It's great to have you along. I'm Claire. I'm Jodie. <laughs> and as per, there was an attempt over Zoom by Jodie to marshal us into some sort of order for that, but we've still managed to talk over one another. There'll be a lot of that, by the way, if you're new to the podcast. We're clearly out of practice, aren't we? Clearly a little bit rusty, but I dare say so are some of the athletes. So few have been the opportunities to compete this year, particularly if you are a big city marathon runner. So I thought we'd start with one of the naffest things I've ever seen, which was the 2020 London Marathon. Should we get this done in about 45 seconds? (laughs) One of the naffest things I've ever seen. (laughs) I cannot get excited by athletes running 19 laps of St. James's Park. Good on them for doing it. I thought it yeah, was great absolutely. to actually have the marathon, give the athletes a chance to run, um, get the qualifying times, just get out and race and make a bit of money, all the rest of it. But it, the, the course was too short, so everyone was being lapped. I mean, the winners, uh, well, especially in the, in the women's, mm. lapped practically everybody. So it's confusing to watch. Um, it's like, I don't know where anyone is in the race it, compared to other people. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but I mean, I still want to give them props for actually doing it. Um, I, you know, usually on marathon morning, even if I've in the past had a giant hangover, I have got up and suffered through it, you know, and watched the whole thing. Um, I was not getting up at seven o'clock to watch the marathon. It just wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Um, I think I got up at 10, having taped it, and then fast forwarded my way through. Um, and it was fine. You know, it's like I've got nothing, literally nothing to say about it. You're right, the course was way too short. The, uh, the fact that um, Kenny had dropped out, the fact that Elliot wasn't in great form, just became a bit anticlimactic. The fact the weather was so atrocious. You know, you, you're just thinking like, would, if you were even feeling slightly bad, wouldn't you just like give up? I can't, I can't imagine like suffering through that. Like um, just the squelchiness of your shoes, you know? No, no. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was fine. Listen, I've got, I'm going to be saying this a lot this week or about this season. Well done for trying, you know. I'm really, really, it's really great that we've had as much athletics as we have had. It's, just, it's great that people have made the effort to put on all these different, um, different champs and different um, events and that. So I'm really grateful for that. But, you know, that, that's just a bit. It wasn't that great. That's, that's all there is to say about it, really, isn't there? The only thing that I found quite interesting was the um, race for the British women. Because for oh, yeah. so long, we've had, like, no... Well, no marathon finals, that's not fair. But the standard was better in the 80s than it, than it has been recently, with the exception of, obviously, Paula and Mara. We didn't have any depth at all. And suddenly, we've got quite a lot of depth of women who've not only qualified for the, um, for the Olympics on, time, on times, there's four people who've got the qualifying, and there's quite a few others who are just around the two, 2.30 um, time as well. The, yeah. the favourites going into yesterday were, uh, not yesterday, the favourites going into, um, it was yesterday, was it yesterday? Oh my God, it seems like, no, it wasn't. It was two days ago. Yesterday. Sorry. No, it was 
Well, Lily Partridge and Steph Twell, both of who dropped out. Um, and then we've also got Charlotte Perdue. We've got... Um, uh, Jess Piasinski, uh, we've got, there's another, there's another lady I've never heard of who's also got the qualifying. And then there's two new people who's, I mean, I can't say I knew their names, but vaguely, vaguely, uh, knew their names who came first and second at, at, at the, at the, what was the British championships, not super fast times this time, but they're right there or thereabouts. So going into next year, um, I presume the trials will be at the London marathon again. We're going to have, I don't know, seven, eight, people who could mm. potentially could qualify for the Olympics, which, I mean, that's not big news in the world of athletics, but it was just quite interesting that there's a kind of a, a groundswell of good, very, very decent distance runners who have turned to the marathon. And they're not necessarily from the track either. People who have never really, we don't know on the track, aren't fast on the track. They just um, just run the roads and run the marathon. So it's just interesting, that's all. And I think actually that depth in British distance running that we're seeing, and we'll turn to look at the middle distance later, no doubt, Mm. is actually really heartening ahead of an event that I'm really looking forward to, which is the World Half Marathon Championships taking place in Poland in a couple of weeks. We have got such strong teams and it's really exciting to think that, you know, we've got um, Callum Hawkins heading on out there, Charlotte Perdue, Hayley Carruthers, Clark Evans. um, We've got Tom Evans heading out there as well, Christian Jones. It's just, that's a really, really packed squad. And I actually think we could, as a team, come out with a, you know, notable performance from that, which is fantastic. And I do love a half marathon. It is such an exciting distance on the roads. I mean, I didn't, until I was watching the marathon and it came up, I didn't, um, I didn't even know that was on. So that was a nice surprise. And mm. the BBC are publicising it. So presumably they'll be showing it as well, which is nice to hear as well. That would be rather nice. Also, interestingly, the, um, the World Indoors is still scheduled. Sure in China not. in March. Well, it's, it's been put back a year from last year. I just can't mm. imagine it happening though, can you? I would love it to happen, but I think it's anything as far ahead as March at this stage, you just have no idea where we're going to be. No, I mean, we're still I mean, not even sure the Olympics will happen, so. But you'd rather it was in China than um, America or Europe at the moment, because at least they seem, <laughs> seem to have got a handle on it, although who knows. And I think if they did do it, it would have to be a scaled down version. I think you're not, you can't have people flying in from all around the world. It would have to be like, I don't know, just straight finals or something, just invite the best so that you don't yeah. have um, so many people mixing with each other. But yeah, it'd just be nice to see something, wouldn't it? And if they've yeah. been able to have meetings, I mean, they have been outdoor meetings, of course, which is different, um, but they have had meetings. They're holding World Half Marathon Championships um, I mean, I know indoors is less safe than outdoors, but it is indoors in a massive stadium. It's not in one room. Mm. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But um, it's yeah, it'd be lovely championships. to see It's got, you know, there's a, it's a very important prestigious meet. You wonder if there's scope to have some sort of bubble going on where, yeah. you're right, they go to straight finals to reduce the size of it all. And then they have athletes fly in with a preparation camp in place that they can be in where they're isolated. Um, and I admit that that's expensive and there are athletes who won't want to be away from home for such a long time, but perhaps that's the way to do it and keep it safe. Because although you're right, Europe and America are still really wrangling with this disease, the fact that China have seemed to have a handle on it might make them more reluctant to have people coming into their country and onto their shores, potentially. Hi, I'm Gina Asher-Smith and you're listening to the Back Straight Boys. So London Marathon, exciting for Brits and that we've got lots of qualifying times. Fascinating to see a fallible Elliot Kipchoge because he has been immortal yeah. for so very long. Um, but ultimately a little bit of a, a damp squib. Literally, a, a, lit, a literal damp squib. A soggy squib, 100%. Yeah, but sorry, just quickly, was there any news on 
Elliot. Do we know, was he injured? Was he, didn't he get training in? He was there any said reason? after the race that he didn't want to make excuses and certainly didn't want to blame the conditions. Of course, oh. he's the loveliest man in the world. But he did mention cramp in his hip and I believe his hamstring down one side of his body. And then this is an unusual reason. He talked about uh, losing all hearing in one of his ears. And I don't know if that was something to do with the cold. Perhaps he was nursing a cold. But I imagine if that's throwing off your balance, that does make an elite level marathon incredibly difficult to contend. So he was right up there until, what was it, eight miles to go when they kicked. Yeah, and, and anyone can have a bad day, even the best of people. The marathon is one of the most um, unpredictable events. So the fact that he's been unbeaten in so long is remarkable. Um, I don't think it counts for anything, no. to be honest. I don't think we can um, count anything into that. And I would still say he's the overwhelming fam- favourite for the Olympics. Yeah, I would also go as far as to say I don't really count it as a marathon loss because it wasn't a proper marathon. So... Hi, I'm Morgan Lake and you're listening to the Backstroke Boys. If the London Marathon wasn't our favourite meet of the year, what was? Um, Now, (laughs) it's hard to say, isn't it? Because for me, all of the the Diamond Leagues and Continental Tour and they're all kind of blurred into one a bit. So mine is a bit of a weird one. I think my favourite thing, the thing I most, most enjoyed this year, I think, was the first Ultimate Garden Clash. Oh, <laughs> what a great answer. Um, just because it had been such a long time, we didn't think we were getting anything at all. We literally had the best three in the world. So it, was, it wasn't like a, the, the women's one didn't really work so well, did, did it? Um, but we had those three. You didn't know who was going to win. And then Renault actually won, didn't he? Um, it was just like, it, it was just thoroughly enjoyable. You know, it was, it was mm. sort of shonkily done. You know, the, um, they hadn't sort of sorted the cameras out. The comedy didn't fit. We could see... Um, what was going on better from home than obviously the people in the studio could. I just, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it, the, the idea that we actually were improvising and it worked. Mm. So that, that to me um, really stood out. On Saturday, some of my friends and I, um, a little group of five of us, headed up to Cumbria and we climbed Scarfell Pike so that we Ooh. could complete our 2020 ambition of climbing all the three British peaks this year. And the weather was disgusting. We shouldn't have gone, but we thought, this is, we've got two done. We've got to finish this thing. And we got back to our hostel afterwards and it was about minus two at the top. I was soggier than a London Marathon competitor. I was absolutely freezing. And I had a shower in our youth hostel that we were staying in because that was the cheapest thing we could get at the last minute. And you had to press the button to release hot water every 10 seconds. Only the water wasn't all that hot. It wasn't very powerful. There was a shower curtain that kept sticking to me and there were daddy long legs everywhere. But because I was so cold and I was so desperate for a shower, it was one of the best showers I've had in my life. And I think that is how I felt about the ultimate garden clashes. I was so desperate for athletics. I'd have taken anything. And if you'd offered me the ultimate garden clash a year ago, I'd probably have turned my nose up at it. But given the circumstances, it was a hot shower after a long day's hiking and it was just great. I couldn't agree more. I had no idea where that was no. going, but I'm glad it went where it did. I, I do find it interesting that they didn't then expand that out, you know, because it, fit, it seemed like simple, it seemed cheap, it felt like the pole vault was probably more complicated than some other events. You, mm. I expected to see like a shot put one would have, would have made a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Um, I felt there was, um, or a long jump, you know, it felt like there was other things they could, they could have done and they could have made a series of them over the summer. Um, they can't have taken a lot of um kind of cost a lot and they kind of taken an awful lot of improvisation it was just like not improvisation organization someone just needed a phone and like a zoom call or something didn't you <laughs> i think the thing is with the pole vault it is the most visual yeah. 
so it made the most sense. I'm not sure the shot put would work so much unless you could work out some good camera yeah. angles, etc. So, Abayo, are you saying that the Impossible Games wasn't your favourite? <laughs> I've actually forgotten that even happened. And even even now, I mean, even I, now I can't quite remember what it was. <laughs> what was it? Well, there was there was two that were both shit. There was one that they tried to do a link up to Kenya. <gasps> That's right. Yes. It was oh God, yeah. Altitude in the pouring rain that didn't work at all. And then there was, do you remember when they had the 150 meter race where um, um, Noel Isles? He ran the wrong distance. Yeah. Noel Isles ran no, he ran an 800 meter, 180 yeah. meters. So there was and they were doing like 300, 300, um, 300 meter relays, weren't they? And yeah, um, yeah and, at, some, and they were doing I, races where the camera angle was different on each, so you couldn't actually see where anyone was in the race, even though they were yeah. running on but, different continents. But, but once again, bless for trying. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, even if they were shit, I still enjoyed watching them because there was nothing else to watch. I think if I was going to pick my favourite meet of the year, um, it's going to be one where the, it wasn't great um, standard of athletics, but it was a championship. You were going and to say that, as we know, championships. <laughs> championships are what athletics is all about. So it was the British Championships, yeah, I agree. which, like, okay, so there was no world records, and there was there was some very there was some good standard performances in a, like a domestic um, um, environment. But um, just to have a championships out there and people that we didn't really know about coming to the fore, winning what will be their biggest race they've ever won, um, some great. Um, performances: Harry Koppel, um, Amy Pratt, um, some, some just, just that watching people race rather than mm. do time trials. It, British Championships was so well done. It's a shame we couldn't go. Although I think there was great um, coverage on TV, so we we saw every second of it. Um, yeah, really, really good to watch and good to see some new talent that we're going to now keep an eye on mm. going forward. I wrote down British champs full of smiles on my notes, and I think that sort of sums <laughs> yeah. up. It was so good to see Jazz Sawyer's enjoying herself. Lucy J. Matthews mixing up with Olympic finalists mm. to see Alex Nibbs, the slowest on paper, winning the four hundred meters. To see Dan Rowden coming <laughs> back after the year that he's had, it. If that's the Olympic um, trials that we get, if that's the British champs we get next year in terms of fields, that's a crying shame. And I think that's a really bad indicator of where British athletics is at. But given the year we've had, I couldn't agree more. It was a really enjoyable two days of action. What's yours, Claire? Oh, well, I kind of hoped that you two would talk enough that you wouldn't put me on the spot for my favourite one. Um, I'm going to do a shout out to Monaco because the standard was so very high and there were some brilliant performances and it felt very back-to-back world-class athletics, which was a real treat. And I want to also, so I'm going to split it between Monaco for Calibre and Lausanne for proving just how very well a single field event can carry a narrative and can sustain an evening's entertainment because that was brilliantly executed, rammed fields, terrific results. That men's pole vault uh, sort of jump off we almost ended up with right at the very end, lit by phone torches, was something that I will remember for a very long time and I really enjoyed watching. Was that the one at the train station? Yes, uh, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, sorry. See, yeah, right, the pro- cool. pro- problem is so that we, is problem. we watched it live and then we didn't see the end. So mm. we saw that it yeah. cut off, so we thought it ended. And it was only when you told us on the podcast like, the next week that it could carry them in the dark. I'd read something about it on Twitter, but I just thought, you know, it was um, during, during the event that I'd watched. But no, we missed like the last two heights or something. It wasn't shown on TV, so... Um, the experience you got was very different to the experience we got watching yeah. it live. We, we, should, we shouldn't have watched it live. We should have watched it on, online later. Yeah, I mean, every year with all the Diamond Leagues, I don't know which was which. So come the end of the year, I couldn't tell you what happened at what mm. meeting. So uh, even this year is even more confusing. So um, 
Um, so yeah, it's difficult to pick um, specific event, uh, specific meetings that that were were great for me. But obviously, there've been some great performances. What there's been world records. There's been like some of the greatest performances of all time. But what are your favourite performances, or what are the best performances of the year? Um, okay, so my number one probably is um, Carson Volholm just barely missing the world record because he did a very slight uh, stumble at the very last hurdle, didn't he? Otherwise, he would have been... Well, he did exactly what Kevin Young did, didn't he? Is that what he hit the right. last hurdle? Um, and he would have been under otherwise. I mean, it's been, it's been one of those weird years, isn't it, where every time he raced, all we were looking for was a world record, even though he was not running world-class fields, he wasn't like, there had no championships. I can't think of another, another time when we've had such high expectations for someone when the expectations overall have been so low. Um, mm. So it was pr- probably unfair of us to expect a world record, but he, clearly he expected a world record, you know, so I don't know why we would have thought any differently. Well, the, so this year, Carsten's run six races. He has the top six times in the world. His best is 46.87. The next best by Ludi Vallon is 48.69. Wow. So he's nearly 10, two, nearly seconds. two seconds faster than anybody else. I mean, to be fair, there was no Samba, there's no Rye Benjamin, there's no McMasters. So the people who would be potentially be close to him weren't around. But to be able to run those times by himself, mm. yeah. like from the outside lane as well, normally, so he doesn't even see anybody else. How he likes it, um, Just shows... Yeah, I know. But also that just bodes so well for when he's at championships, when he doesn't have to worry about what other people are going to do. He knows basically almost in a time trial how fast he can run. I think also having crowds back could well be the difference to make up that 0.07 seconds that he needs. We've been saying it's a matter of when, not if. And I think with him, that really is the case. Also, I read just doing a bit of prep for this, that he and Mondo have set up a little support group for one another to deal with the fact that every time they compete, if Carson doesn't get a world record, we're disappointed. If Mondo doesn't clear six metres, we're like, oh, dearie me, what a bad day at the office. They're actually helping one another as these two prodigies, truly stellar talents that we are taking so very much for granted. And they've got each other's backs. And I do think that this year we have come to expect really quite silly things from the pair of them because every time they put on a pair of spikes, they're doing stuff that we've not seen from people of their age for decades. What's great about both of them is they are the kind of the faces of the sport at the moment. And they're also the ones who are competing every week. So they're out there doing the promotion. There's other athletes who are equally as good and could potentially be as bigger names. But these two, in week after week after week, are out there running amazing times. Um, uh, Carsten, more than um, Mondo, obviously, has an amazing personality as well. But it's great to see those two stars competing all the time, which is exactly what we need. Um, I have to say, more than anybody else, um, I really, really, really hope that Carson holds on for the Olympics. It'd be so unfair if, um, for whatever reason, he didn't win next year. Um, especially after, as Jody says, he's been out competing every week uh, during this week, this year to entertain us. And it would seem like he would have been like a head and shoulders favourite going into the Olympics this year. So if something happened next year, you know, that'd be really, really unfortunate and really um, for him. Um, it's going to be so weird, isn't it? Because we're going to get such, we're going to get really weird Olympic champions next year, I think, because um, we've got nothing to go on this year, but we can't tell who's doing what. Mm. Okay, so you gave me a Carsten, but I'm going to raise you a Johannes Vetter. Yes. 97.76. 97.76. Now, the world record um, is 98.46 or 48, I believe. So 
it's just, it was one of those records that was so far out there that we didn't even think about being broken. Never mind, didn't even think about it being approached. So for him to throw 97.76, the second best in the world is 87.86, 10 metres difference. That is Mm. just insane. And the Javelin has been one of those events over the past few years that has been very high quality. Um, And so for him to come out there and throw that, and I think he had a a second throw of 90 or something, another incredible throw. Um, so what a superstar. We didn't see a lot of him. We didn't see a lot of the javelin this year at all. Um, but just once again, what, what something to look forward to next year. This is Alison Felix and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. Um, so yeah, anyway, Johannes Vetter, that is my performance of the year. Um, interestingly, no one's mentioned something yet. So you go Claire, but what's yours? Mine was going to be Carsten. I think the one that you think is a glaring omission might be Joshua Chapsigai's 5,000 metre world record in Monaco. Well, I mean, you could, you could, you could call it that well, if you can wanted I, to. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. So oh, what was yours? Not, <laughs> Mondo said, in, indoor and outdoor. Yeah. Oh, Mondo, of course. Mondo set, set mm. a world record as well. We are so desensitised to that young man clearing (laughs) extraordinary heights and doing so with remarkable consistency that I keep forgetting that he's now indoor and outdoor world record holder at age six or whatever he is. I'd completely forgotten about Chip Tegai, so... (laughs) I wanted to know, which is your biggest bugbear? And I think think there's an obvious and a sensible answer, but we don't always go for the obvious and the sensible on this podcast, so I thought I would ask. Your biggest bugbear of 2020, was it the introduction of pacing lights at elite level to help people break world records and we're going to see him again we're recording this on the tuesday joshua is going again on wednesday to break the 10,000 meter world record with pacing lights and a whole flock of pacemakers um or is it the introduction of the new best sixth round jump in the long jump is what's going to decide placings which we now see might come into effect for the olympics no Mm-hmm. Yes, Fayo. <laughs> it's Fayo's only it's face. only a provision in the rules allows it allows championships to use it. They I don't think it will happen. I mean, that, I can't imagine is, it will happen. But then, could you have believed the introduction of it to begin with? It's complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense. But when it's a complete nonsense in a diamond league or something, you know, no one really cares. If if the winner of the Olympic long jump gold medal doesn't jump as far as the silver medalist that will be go down in for years or go down the annals of sport as like redonkulous so they, they can't risk that surely well there have been or events. sorry even worse even worse if everyone failed like they did where was it in, in um, Glasgow yes. or something last year mm. where everybody failed in the last round didn't they so like the winner wasn't um, sure at all absolute nonsense they can't do that it's, it's fine for like Mickey Mouse events you can't do it at the Olympics well, there's Watch been do it at the Olympics. <laughs> quite a lot of uproar on social media when that was announced as part of the end of year rules and legislation review that World Athletics released. Uh, there are plenty of little things that aren't going to have too much effect, you know, on um, kind of uninterrupted running at the beginning of cross country races, the number of javelins that you can submit as your equipment before a meet, and then just snuck in there the fact that that rule yeah. might be what decides our Olympic champion next year and in Olympic years going forwards. So obviously that's that's the big serious one as opposed to the pace lights, I suppose. Is that just for the long jump? I that think could it's be the only on... event they've trialled it on so far, and I think that's sure, but, what... it, but it could be it could be used in any event, couldn't yeah, it? it? Could be used in discus, javelin, chopper, hammer, triple jump. I think I need to check, but I do think that it's only on the long jump. 
That makes even less sense. Nonsense. If you're going to do it, you would do it across the board. Why would the long jump be determined in one way, but the triple jump determined in another? Um, no one knows. But the um, I would just say I'm actually more annoyed by these lights, like these pacing lights, only because we've seen that nonsense with the long jump before. So it wasn't a massive surprise. I mean, it would be a surprise if they do it at the Olympics. But these pacing lights, which, on, I mean, are quite a nice idea, but to, uh, my issue with them is that it takes away anything yeah. from the race. Like, if Kenny or Hailey had had pacing lights, which means you get paced the whole distance at exactly the right time, then they, God knows mm. what the world records would be. Because there's a big difference between getting paced to 3,000 metres and then having to run 2,000 by yourself inconsistent pacemaking as well like we have no we, you don't know how fast but you're reliant on other human beings but to be able to watch something on the ground that doesn't even it doesn't allow for uh, for fluctuations in pace it's literally the pace the whole way around is absolute nonsense and if if it's so we have separate world records in the women's don't we in case they got paced mm, by a man that's a which is not point. the same because men fluctuate Men fluctuate, like they go faster, they go slower, like depending on all different different things. But now we have a single world record that is literally paced the whole way, and it really pissed me off. So the, I, I don't, I'm just not a world record as well. Just say. think, it's a just think when one. you are watching world records in the past, when people have like not hit the the lap type or the um the the time at like four k or something, and then they know they've got to pick it up, and that last lap they're really racing down. Now you just got to follow the line. And the, the late light is consistent, so you would have been going slightly faster earlier on, but you can be going slower than you would have near the end because you know exactly where you're going to be. A world record should be something you chase, not something you follow. It's like, it's, mm. it's just, just who, who allowed this? You know, it's, it's all very well to put into, during this year, you know, the off year, when you've got things like the Inspiration Games, I've got no problem with something like that, being at the Inspiration Games or, or being used you know, as, a, as a crowd pleaser during, during a, a weird year. But to actually make it official is like completely beyond the pale. It's like goes against everything this sport's supposed to and be also, about. And also, when are people gonna? Who's gonna break a record by ten seconds? Who's gonna run that far far ahead? That's of the an pace? interesting point. So, so what? what Nobody. What the, what the pace is made to what? So the, the pace they're following to the previous so world it's set, set to I the previous. It might even be done. And I don't even know. I don't know if it's consistent or whether it's the pace that the previous world record because holds. Because sure, surely I don't you could know. then make it to go ten seconds faster than the previous world record, so you know exactly how much you're going to take off the world record, for example. I mean, there's all kinds of implications for it. It's just shit. Sorry. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Tom Bosworth, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. We've only talked about men, which is unusual. Oh my God. Well, let's, yeah, but um, let's be fair. The women's side this year was. I'm sorry, I'm pulling a face. Pulling a face on a, a podcast doesn't really work, does it? But the women's side was just lame. I do have three the... yeah. international athletes I wanted to give shout-outs to, and actually they are all women. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't individual women who've done well. I'm just mm. saying overall, all the big, yeah. all the big um, events, all the big um, um, performances have kind of come from the, the men's side, haven't they? But let, let's talk about our favourite athletes then. So which, which athletes have you... Okay, this is such a yeah. cop-out by me, but for my favourite athlete, I'm going to do my three shout-outs to the female <laughs> international athletes I just mentioned, and then do my favourite athlete. So I just want to mention three women who I think yeah. have just been lighting things up and having incredible seasons, given the circumstances, and they are Jessica Hull, the Australian middle distance runner who has broken something like three 
Australian national records this season. She's kind of really quietly since the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games been <laughs> hustling away and she has been absolutely grinding out some fantastic times. It's been really cool seeing her competing. I wish I wish this was people <laughs> see me in better faces. Is she did she did she just lose to Laura Whiteman on that, that road thing? That oh, I thing don't know actually whether yesterday. she was running out in the rain with Laura. I just know that on the Diamond League this year, she's been prolific. And it's, it's because she doesn't win races, we don't talk about her. But she's always up there in the top four. And like I said, she's just been setting national records for fun this year, which is brilliant. She's so young and I really love the way she runs. Um, Del Ponte, the sprinter who has just made the most of an incredibly quiet year to win a ton of cash, which is fantastic. Good for her. Love to see it. (laughs) Um, And finally, some um, Carisha Schweitzer of the Bowman Track Club, again, fresh out of the NCAA, has just signed her first professional contract and has kind of been having the equivalent season to Gemma Riki in that it's kind of her first year or so as a pro and she's broken again, like two American records, quietly as you like, out in all those weird little uh, Bowerman-only uh, meets in the States and actually it's just come out today they've made a documentary called One More Year or One Extra Year and it's going to be tracking those women and what they've done in 2020 and actually the whole track club I think it's not just women so we probably won't watch um, in their build up <laughs> to Tokyo and the first episode is out on YouTube today so I look forward to giving that a watch and talking about it next week. Claire before you say your favourite person of the year because I've written some, not the people you've spoken about but the events that they competed and I've written some things myself I actually wrote Del Ponte over here because what I thought was so amuse, amusing for me was she she has had a great year. She's had a breakout year, but her best is 11.08. And the reason she was winning because everyone else was shit. And then in Rome, yes. Elaine Thompson turned up <laughs> around 10.85. And I've written, ha, 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 because it's like a different league of person just arrived on Earth. And like she won by so far. And it just put into perspective, mm. yes, Del Ponte's had a great year. Yes, she's made a lot of money. Yes, she's made a name for herself and will be able to get into lots of meetings next year. Um, but the reality is she probably no. won't get anywhere near the Olympic final. Um, and Elaine Thompson really came around and showed what, what um, a superstar looks like. Yes. And it's great to see her back in, in top shape because that just makes things really interesting. And you were talking about Jessica Hull and some other middle distance runners. And I've just written um, number one, Faith Kip Yegon, who just ran dominates everything she only she only won one 1500 and she won it and she won one 2000 and she won an eight fast in the world over 800 but the best in the world this year over 1500 is laura muir um 357 um once again racing all the time great great um campaigner um and the other thing i want to say about the women's 1500 is the uk yeah. have four women in the top 10 of the world yeah we um, do yeah <laughs> Laura, Laura, um, Gemma, um, Gemma, Portman. and Melissa, and um, and even Eilish, who doesn't seem to. Have, she ran four oh three this year, and is seventeenth mm. in the world. So, like um, British middle distance runners are amazing, and it's so exciting yeah. to be. Able and to that's say that. the same can be said for the men. Jake Whiteman's had a fantastic yeah. year. Max Bergen, Daniel Rowden, Piers Copeland. Oh, and on the women's side mm. as well, Keely Hodgins, Hodgkinson. Yes, I just. I was uh, so I copped out by doing three shout outs, and then my cop out was also going to be my favourite athlete of the year was the British middle distance team. Because oh, why, why have you oh, stolen mine? That, that, that was mine. So how, how nuts that we've <laughs> had consistent British one two threes on continental tours! Incredible. 
Adele Tracy ran a great race last week yes, and ran 159. So I was just going to say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's once again, those races at the Olympic trials next year are going to be amazing. My favourite moment of the year, um, we've talked about some world records and stuff, my favourite actual moment when I was, was, was most excited was... I bet your moment of the year is the exact moment of my year. So, like, just, just go on. I've got it written down here just to see if it's the same. Is that moment with 180 metres to go where Jake Whiteman made that kick... <laughs> around Philip Ingebrigtsen. It was like, whoa, look at that. It wasn't something you expect to see from a British from a British athlete. And to have the, not just the presence of mind, but the ability to do that with that, because normally people are just hanging on at that point. But to have that and to actually see Philip Ingebrigtsen and think, no, I can overtake him and do it. That was my moment of the year. That is literally my moment of the year. That's what I've written. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to us by then? <laughs> so so Claire, Claire stole my like, favourite athletes of the year, which was basically uh, British middle distance, but specifically the men's, men's 800 metres. And you stole my moment of the year, so I'll just, just shut up. Um, I should say my athlete of the year. Now, this isn't the worldwide athlete of the year, obviously, because that's probably, you know, that's one of the world record holders or Carson or Mondo or something. But my favourite athlete of the year is Daniel Rowden, yeah. who mm, genuinely looks like he has... Olympic medal potential you know he looks totally unbeatable it's a real shame we never saw him against, um, up against um, Jeff Brazier what's his name uh, Donovan Brazier Jeff Brazier yeah. <laughs> Donovan <laughs> Jeff Brazier Jeff threw me Jeff really threw me um, because um, <laughs> I'm not saying he would have beaten him but like, that would have been a, he would have actually put him under some, some pressure you know I mean Donovan Brazier is a second faster but um, Daniel Weldon looked this year like he has the beating of, of anybody um, he looked so, so smooth. And also, it didn't matter how he ran the race, you know, whether he came from the back, whether he ran, ran at the front, it didn't matter. Our, our men's 800 metres is insane. I mean, just insane. How we, do you get on that team? We've, mm. got, we've got three men in the world's top 10 this year. We've also got the number 11 and the number 14. Um, um, which is just... Oh, oh, and the number 21, Guy Lima. Um, these are all, like, um, 145 and under. It's, like, it's just crazy. And that is the strongest... The hardest team to get on next year. I couldn't even begin to tell you who's going to do it. And can we just also get talking about? I mean, I know we can't can't keep just saying individual names, but Elliot Giles in Doha yes, the other week, yeah. when he went with the pace and held on. Yes, yes, Elliot. That's what we love to see. So all these guys running so amazingly mm. and with such confidence. I mean, I'm scared for the Olympic trials. And I suppose, really, <clears throat> Carl Langford is probably our most decorated 800 meter runner in mm. terms of trophy cabinet in the country right now. We've not even mentioned him yet, and we've not even mentioned him despite him also putting down some good times this year. That yep. is how congested that is. But he exactly. he's, he he set a PB this year. It, am I right in thinking that we get three people? But are they going to be doing that thing that ranking? things with the odd extra person oh, can go hopefully I think that is still the well so I don't know where they have landed with that but I know there were discussions to maybe change that given strange and unprecedented times and how that might have affected rankings and ability yeah. to get rankings points yeah I just, just wonder if like by the time the Olympics comes around next year the rankings will be up and running again and they'll be able to choose like a few extra people to go if they you know, fit within the 32 or whatever over the um... or just fans favourites and then we know that Carl Langford will get a seat on the play yeah I mean maybe they just give us a call you know a couple of weeks before the Olympics and say come on guys who do you want, who do you want to go the straight pick yeah, the back straight pick yeah that'd be reasonable oh go on World Athletics make our week <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Dalila Mohammed, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. We've been singing the praises of British middle distance runners, so that seems like, for me, the perfect way to lead on to the final thing I wanted to talk about, which is that actually 2020 has been a pretty torrid year for lots of things, but I think it's been a very good year for this podcast 
in terms of some of the specials that we have had and some of the guests that we have been privileged enough to host. We started off lockdown with a men's middle distance special back when we were all chortling about this strange virus that might keep us in lockdown for a fortnight. We have had Christian Taylor, we have had Dina Asher-Smith and Amy Hunt, we've had Morgan Lake and Jasmine Sawyers. It has been... We've had Denise Lewis. So, of course we've had Denise Lewis for that fantastic two-part interview, which was just... I've listened to it twice, I enjoyed it so much, (laughs) um, which I feel I can say because that was all you, Bayo. It has been really, really fun Dare I ask you to pick a standout for you on a podcast level? Well, mine has got to be Denise because I sat down and she was really busy. You know, she's got four kids and like um, we sat down and we're like, you know, maybe she could squeeze in an hour. Um, an hour in, <laughs> I think we'd only reached 1996 or something. And she was like, no, she was like, no, come on, let's keep going, keep going, keep going. So it ended up being two hours and... And then I love Denise Lewis, just love her to pieces. She answered absolutely everything. She had no problems, no, no drama at all. She just was totally happy to sit down and just talk about these things. I suppose in the same way when I spoke to um, Christine that time, they, the athletes like speaking to us because they don't often get a chance to, to tell these stories. You know, They will go on a... If they're famous, they go on a chat show or something and talk about you know, their season that year or do a... But not, very seldom do they do like a long-form interview. They get to say what they want to say as well. You know? And they know that we are knowledgeable enough that we're going to ask the right questions and we're going to understand what they're saying, that we're going to understand references and things. So it was just an absolute, absolute pleasure to sit down with her. I would also like to say I did very much enjoy the um, Fast Girls episode. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I'm going to pick something different because <laughs> we've had so much choice this year. Interviewing Christian Taylor, or it wasn't just an interview, he actually came on and we did a whole yeah. um, joint mm. Zoom um, interview with him. Um, just such a gentleman, such a professional, like so smart, got so much to say, not just about his event, but about the sport in general. We know he's going to be dedicated to the sport for years to come. And he said it was the best interview he'd ever done. So... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going to say Christian Taylor, who's always a favourite. It has been so chock-a-block. It's been such a treat. And I, I loved nattering to Adam Jamelia. I forgot to mention Oh, him yeah, Adam! Also, just getting to catch up with everybody's favourite. And also so great to see him pick up a Diamond League win this year. So we've just been so saturated with international stars. And I don't use the word stars lightly, but my God, there have been stars Oh, I laughed my head off recording with Jazz and Morgan. I thought that was so much fun. I was really touched by Dina's honesty and how helpful she was when speaking to Amy. I felt like we could have just left the call and they both could have really profited from that dialogue. That was gorgeous. But I think I'm going to agree just because of how how passionate he was and how contagiously passionate he was. I'm going to go with Christian Taylor. I really felt like that is a man who's going to change and shape the future of this sport. And as discussed, I'd like to see him as World Athletics President and then yep. subsequently US President. <laughs> were there such sort of thing as President of all of this? I'd vote for Christian. I'd vote for Christian. He was incredibly well. compelling, wasn't he? Such a lovely, lovely man. What I, what I think is interesting is a, a few years back, me and Jodie were part of the IWF family, which meant we got invited absolutely everywhere. Um, that didn't last long. Um, and we um, subsequently got dropped from the IWF family in circumstances we're going to another time. Um, but what I look forward to is um, once Christian runs athletics, I'm sure we'll get our VVIP passes back. Hi, I'm Holly Bradshaw, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. An odd 
idea for athletics, but I think lots of highlights. And there's no, I think, no point in looking at some of the other things I wanted to talk about, a bit of kind of doom and gloom and uncertainty, because actually, like you said, given the circumstances, it's been all right, hasn't it? It's been really good, you know, it really has. I was expecting nothing, you know, I had no expectations whatsoever. So low as my expectations were, um, they were really soundly... Well, my, my metaphor has gone completely off the rails, but like, <laughs> whatever my expectations were, they were definitely, definitely matched and beaten because I was expecting nothing and it actually turned out to be quite a lot of fun. And thinking about the podcast we've done over the summer, because we have, we've done loads considering there's been yeah. nothing on. Nothing um, to I talk about. <laughs> I, would encourage, I would encourage people to go back into our archives because there's lots of really great episodes back there and loads of great big name interviews. And coming up this winter, um, obviously there's going to be probably less athletics on but we promise you there will definitely be some big name interviews um, coming up and we've got some ideas and we'll be reaching out to people so do tune in um, to the Backstraight Boys in coming weeks and months. In the meantime stay safe keep enjoying our episodes check out the Bowman Track Club documentary watch the Inga Brixons docker if you haven't done yet keep an eye out for that Mondo one that they're making there's so much content coming obviously we should be your first port of call but thank you very much for listening. Drop us a line on social media. We honestly, we always get back to people and we love hearing from you. You can find me on Twitter at Claire underscore G Thomas. Um, you can find the Backstraight Boys on Twitter at, at Backstraight B. Very good. And the Instagram is Backstraight Boys Podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, well done, boys, on Spotify or any platform where you can leave a review, please do. We want to get better. We want to hear your thoughts. And it really does help other people find the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Take good care. And we look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Bye. Bye.